Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Excited for today's episode with a trio of guests. Uh, Leonard Hoops from Visit Indy, the president and CEO. Steve Zito and Jenny Carnes from the San Antonio Sports Commission and uh, the Alamo Dome. And really excited to talk with them along with our co-host and Andy Dolich uh, about March Madness coming together in both host cities. Um, really excited to see how it comes to life. Uh, we know that there's a little bit of fan interaction uh, in both markets, a little bit different. And I would say that about wraps up the uniqueness of, of what we're dealing with uh, as it stands. But I'll start off the episode with Leonard, um, you know, having March Madness in Indy, there's multiple locations. So it's not like you're just dealing with one facility that's got to be an interesting one to handle. And what was the process like of it coming all together? So probably not unlike San Antonio, we got a, a call um, uh, that was basically a very confidential uh, meeting uh, early on in early November uh, from the NCAA, from senior official at the NCAA asking uh, what the possibility was of us being able to clear the decks in our convention center uh, first and foremost, and with our key hotels um, to be able to make this uh, work. And we did in fact have a pretty busy uh, calendar for the first quarter of this year, pandemic or not. We've been uh, basically doing some proof of concept sort of things with some, uh, a lot of youth sporting events going back to last summer. So we've had events consistently, uh, particularly on the weekends with youth sporting events, volleyball, AAU basketball, that sorts of things. And that's what's kept us going. Sure enough, we had a bunch of that stuff going um, over the dates of the we had the men's final four already on the calendar, uh, but we had to clear uh, the two weeks in front of that. And um, that involved five or six different groups. And some of those negotiations were pretty simple and some of them were not. And uh, so we worked for about three weeks behind the scenes before the NCAA announced uh, the first week, I think it was in December where they then publicly announced, hey, they're formally negotiating with the state of Indiana and the city of Indianapolis. And the reality it had been about a month in the background uh, to that point. Well, it's, it's, it's nothing new to you in terms of hosting these events. Obviously, it, it will look a little bit different this year. But as Andy likes to say on some of the episodes we've had related to college athletics, there's so many different constituents that you're dealing with. Um, and, and in this case, on your end, coming from, you know, the Convention and Visitors Bureau, you've got hotels. I mean, you, you've got other partners that maybe aren't typically in, in the realm. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they generally are, even for other Final Fours, the hotels are always a key part of it with the negotiations to get those rooms uh, contracted. It's a lot different this year because historically you're talking about contracting, you know, some amount of staff rooms and, and media and that sort of thing, but it's mostly about putting together the fan blocks and things of that nature. And this year, there really, there were no fan rooms. It was courtesy blocks. It was, this was all about bubble uh, blocks, right? Uh, the NCAA doesn't really call it that. They call it a controlled environment, at least they do uh, in the in the indie uh, attorney. And um, uh, so they seem to refrain from bubble for whatever reason, but it was really getting five hotels uh, locked down uh, to uh, for controlled environment conditions to ho host all 68 teams and then one hotel just for the officials. And, um, and then a handful of others who will be in that tier one bubble. And so that was a definitely a different kind of negotiation. And, and and also the pricing was a little bit different uh, than in a typical uh, NCAA year. Uh, you know, the, the pricing is not market rate. Uh, we were looking for a happy medium that worked for the hotels and worked for the, uh, the NCAA. And ultimately we got to that. But that took a little while to, to get to that happy medium as well. 
I would ask a quick question. Um, I serve on the board of the San Jose Sports Authority after Leonard threw me off the San Francisco uh, Convention of Visitors Bureau for for cause. I think it was for cause, right, Leonard? Um, Undoubtedly. Yeah, and uh, or maybe Pat Gallagher ratted me out. Uh, one of the two. Um, but at the San Jose Sports Authority, uh, again, set up a lot like San Antonio and and Indy. We formed a separate uh, COVID-19 sports advisory group. Did you do something similar in your markets? And you can you give us some insight into how you handled this to remain agile and nimble at a time that none of us saw coming? Okay. We haven't done that specifically in San Antonio. We've certainly have reached out to partners um, in the local market to talk through best practices. But I can tell you that across the state of Texas, the um, head of all of the sports commissions in major markets, uh, even regional markets, have been meeting on a weekly basis since the pandemic started to talk about just that. And it's been incredibly helpful for San Antonio sports um, just to talk through what everybody else is doing, you know, how we're rebooking events, how you are executing events safely. And so I think sharing that across um, multiple cities has been really good for us. Steve, what's the biggest challenge in terms of uh, the facility and the operational side of hosting a, a final four and just the March madness tournament as a whole. Um, obviously there's different, you know, obstacles this year, but as a whole, what's the, what's the biggest challenge? Any one, one of the, one of the things that, um, you know, Steve said was he spent money to upgrade the building, but yet you have less fans coming in, which is less revenue. So how do you make it work? Well, we're just doing everything we can to make it work for the NCAA. That is our role in a normal year, and that is our role right now. So we've gotten creative on um, our hosting budget and worked through that. We've gotten creative in a very short amount of time on how to recruit volunteers. Um, we're doing community events differently, of course. And so our, our attitude is just, we're going to get it done, and it's going to look different. So, um, like Indianapolis and, and Leonard um, talking about just this amazing opportunity for San Antonio during such a time of need in our tourism and uh, hospitality industry. And so we, we just keep saying, bring it on. We're so grateful for this. Yeah. And if I could add, Jay, going, going back to Andy's question earlier about, um, uh, you know, the, the COVID kind of task force, we back in April of last year, uh, we decided to put together a weekly call between Visit Indy, the Indiana Sports Corporation, uh, the Indy Chamber of Commerce, Downtown Indy, uh, and then uh, the Capital Improvement Board, which is a municipal corporation that runs and owns our facilities, and, um, and then the Indianapolis Arts Council. And uh, those entities, so we've been collectively meeting uh, every week since last April. And we had actually been gearing up for a really big 2021, 22, uh, sports period anyway. We had the NBA All-Star Game was supposed to happen President's Weekend a couple weeks ago uh, in 21, followed uh, just a month and a half later by the Men's Final Four, followed a few months after that in January of 2022 with the College Football Playoff National Championship. So we had all three of those events uh, happening in about 11-month time frame, which is ridiculous. And uh, so we were already kind of geared up for that kind of, of um uh, you know, intensity of, of putting on sporting events. And now we've had to, in the COVID word, uh, most popular word ever, pivot uh, to where now we have the 2024 NBA All-Star Game. 
Uh, now we have the entire NCAA tournament, not just the Final Four. And we still do have, in the middle of all that, a college football playoff a national championship uh, next January that looks like it'll be uh, moving forward uh, in a more a kind of normalcy type of scenario. But um, I think that call, that weekly call, has helped because we've, we've been able to figure out, uh, just by more regular communications, um, not uh, duplicating the wheel, uh, you know, um, and we're all working on things that add value as opposed to overlapping each other. And that's, that's the key. I mean, teamwork, leadership, and trust is hard to find from coast to coast. But when you bring all of these entities together, many of them that are sports and entertainment centric, you know, to Jenny's point earlier on, it's not just the events that you're going to host. It's uh, pro teams that you have in your market. It's colleges playing in your market. It's high schools and it's youth sports. And if they're not all speaking to each other and hopefully somewhat of the same language, you've got the Tower of Babel. And so what we've seen in San Jose and what you exemplify is the ability for those organizations to share information to your point, Leonard, where you have to be more than agile and nimble because what exists today is going to change tomorrow. Yeah, and I'm just lucky that I have built-in credibility with the last name of Hoop, so that's really uh, got me. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you changed your name for this month. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a real last name. Uh, there are a bunch of Quakers who came over from England in 1683, and who knew that uh, 340 years later would come in this handy? Yeah, but you know what? When Steve and I worked together, I could always say in Memphis, we had things covered from A to Z. So, Leonard, don't get too impressed with yourself. I was waiting. I was waiting for when the first joke would come in. So we're, we're not too far along. This is great. Um, Jenny, I, I, I want to ask you, you know, as you think about the impact that that hosting an event like this can bring to the city, is there a multiplication factor that then comes in into play when you're talking about hosting the entire tournament? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you asked me about how we make it work when we have limited fan attendance, but you know, normally we would have four four teams, three games over four days. There is a huge multiplication factor here. We're talking about 64 teams for that first week and um, buying out seven hotel uh, properties in San Antonio, we're going to be at 35,000 room nights alone just for the official team travel parties. And that by far exceeds what a normal women's final four would look like in a regular year. Um, and then the, the compounding just keeps going as the bracket progresses. And uh, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, the, the, the fan piece of it is disappointing and not to be able to have fan events and sold out, um, arena in the Alamo Dome, but this is just, I always say the best case scenario and a worst case year for us. We're looking at about a $27 million direct visitor spending impact. And, and that's an, another key, uh, Jake's sick and tired of me saying this, but I sign off every letter to friends around the country, stay safe and sane in the new different. I'm not a big believer in the new normal. And, and the new different, that doesn't mean it's bad, but you got to think differently today. If you're just thinking about, well, we did it this way in Indy, we did it this way at the Alamo Dome, you're out of luck. And for the foreseeable future, we have to be creative. We have to be innovative. Um, and that's what's so great to see about what you've accomplished already, because, you know, you'll deal with it. 
um, instead of woe is me, like some other markets. That's so true. Yeah. And I think, I think following up on, on Jenny's numbers, we've been, been doing some uh, cocktail napkin math ourselves. And with the 25% capacity that the NCAA and the Marion County Public Health Department have agreed to, they got announced a couple of Fridays ago, uh, our math is estimating something in the neighborhood of 100,000 people uh, coming to the first round games, which is unreal. Um, that is bigger than a, a final four would uh, even be, I think, because you're going to have uh, you know, 32 first round games, 28 of which I think are going to be in Indianapolis, and then a couple in both uh, the Purdue and, and IU campuses to the north and south of Indiana, Indianapolis. And, um, you know, even when you go down to the, to the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, you're still talking about, you know, 40, 50,000 people potentially uh, who show up. There'll be way more demand for tickets than there will be tickets available. Leonard, to that point, you know, and Steve, you, you've hosted many of many of events before, but does the model change at some point? I mean, not to, not to speculate or anything, right? But if you're talking about these massive impact numbers for a host city to truly put a bid in to host an event like this, does it become the tournament as opposed to just the final four? Does it become the elite eight and the final four uh, plus other events, right? And, and how does that work uh, in terms of the bid process going forward? Yeah, I, I don't know how it's going to impact the bid uh, in the future. I, I mean, Dan Gavitt says all the time uh, from the NCAA that um, uh, to enjoy this because it'll probably never happen again. I mean, it'll be memorable in the sense that it, this may, this will likely be the only time something like this happens. I don't, I don't expect to see the NCAA or anybody else uh, putting out bid specs that say you're going to, you know, have even the opportunity to do this. Um, to Andy's point, this is a, this is a result of the conditions we're in right now, um, and we're fortunate that we're. Uh, what it looks like on the back end, I know for myself in Indiana, uh, they just reduced the age you can get the vaccine to age 55. I'm 56. Uh, I signed up today and I got an appointment for Friday. Uh, it's awesome. I mean, I'm going to go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway where they're going to set up a clinic um, uh, at the world's biggest uh, you know, racetrack, the greatest spectacle in racing. And I'm going to get my shot on Friday. And um, this is accelerating a lot faster than I think a lot of us anticipated even a month ago. And you know, we have no intent, and I know San Antonio is the same way, uh, despite what maybe uh, the Texas governor may be uh, deciding right now. But we have no intent in making this an unsafe event. I mean, this is not going to be a motorcycle rally uh, where there are no rules and there's no masks. Um, we're still going to have our county uh, public health um, uh, rules in place. We're still going to have certain capacity limits at restaurants and bars. We're still going to have a mask mandate. We don't believe we're going to take that away before the tournament. Uh, and there's still going to be a fair amount of social distancing and pods and things like Steve mentioned earlier. Uh, at the arenas when you only have 25% capacity. So I think there's a happy uh, medium where you can get this done safely and has still have a great fan experience and have the, the athletes get to have people cheering them on. And uh, student athletes, you know, have, have been kind of robbed of that uh, too. And they got completely robbed of it last year. And so being part of that experience for all parties to benefit, I think is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Well, since, you, since you brought up vaccinations, Steve's got to tell the story. Talk about things being different. Um, Steve, Tell them what we're doing during the championship. Yeah, so, you know, Jake, to go back to your earlier question um, and, you know, to reiterate the new different, as Andy talks about, um, so above and beyond us, you know, here at the Dome hosting uh, these games and also uh, the practices, we have uh, two other operations going on here at the Dome. Number one, we've got, uh, we're the contact tracing uh, 
center for not only San Antonio, but the county. So we've got 400 um, you know, contact traces working downstairs seven days a week. Then on top of it, we have uh, in our parking lot, we're one of the mega sites for vaccines. And we've got 3,500 cars going through the parking lots every day of folks getting vaccinated. So we've found a way, and again, you know, you know, Andy and Jenny hit on it. You know, we have a model here that, you know, Jenny and I uh, here at the Dome and in the city, it's called One Team. And with the NCAA being right part as that one team, we were able to find a way for everybody to coexist, you know, not only to uh, do what's right for the community, but also not compromise the opportunity of hosting this incredible event. Yeah. And what, what Pete, you know, to that point, Steve, what people see, I always think about it as an iceberg. They see the event that you're putting on, which is the tip of the iceberg. And that's nice, but it's the seven eighths of the iceberg underneath the water that cre can create havoc. And, and with all those constituencies that you have, if those people are not uh, tied together, then you've got challenges. And, you know, we see it in the San Jose market that I'm working in, some of the most stringent healthcare guidelines in the country, telling pro sports and college sports, sorry, got to go away. And now to your point, Steve, we've got Levi Stadium and the Oakland Coliseum uh, vaccinating people. You know, these are the town squares left in our society. And Indiana and Indianapolis and San Jose represent two of the most incredible community town squares in the country. And that gives you the ability to do this. Leonard, from, a, from the perspective of getting multiple buildings, multiple operators together, how, how does that come together so quickly, knowing that there's so many different players uh, in order to get this thing and, and also keep the consistency of that experience that you're talking about the same across all the different operations? I think India and San Antonio probably have a lot in common this way. And I've worked in the San Jose, the San Francisco and the Sacramento markets before here. And as wonderful as those cities are... <laughs> the same DNA as like an Indianapolis and a San Antonio, uh, partly because we're, we're mid-tier markets in terms of population. And so um, I think there's um, a credible amount of cross-pollination already uh, that goes on with our boards and things like that. I mean, um, the EVP of the facility at Bankers Life Fieldhouse where the Pacers are is on my board. Previous to her, it was the, uh, the who's the president COO now. Uh, Carly Ursay, the vice chair and owner of the Colts is on my board. Uh, and Lucas Oil Stadium, therefore, you know, um, uh, was an easy play on this. Uh, Newberger, who runs the stadium, and Andy Mallon, who runs the municipal that runs the convention center, and I talk pretty much every day anyway. Um, the, the level of cross-pollination in a, in a market of the size of Indianapolis is just unlike anything that I had in my previous experiences. Uh, I tell people uh, from my uh, California days that if San Francisco and Sacramento had a baby, it'd be Indianapolis. Uh, <laughs> because it's got a lot of the qualities of both. It's got the big city, uh, huge stadiums and convention center and thousand room hotels and all that sort of infrastructure that a San Francisco has, but it has kind of a quality of life, hospitality feeling, 
um, cost of living, all the different things that a smaller Sacramento has. Uh, and it's really a blend of those. And my experiences in San Antonio when I've been there, I have a lot of those same qualities with a Texas spin on it. Yeah, and everything out here in Northern California, uh, people go, San Jose, no, I haven't been there in 20 years. Well, you live in San Francisco. Uh, what about the new building in Sacramento? Golden One, it's spectacular. No, no, I haven't been in Sacramento in 15 years. Uh, so it's very parochial. Um, and that sort of ingredient of teamwork, I mean, it sounds trite, but the teamwork that you exemplify uh, has always gotten these events there because you're speaking essentially the same language. Well, I think I heard earlier that Jenny has been in her uh, uh, post in San Antonio for over two decades. I'm now 10 years into my indie job and signed a contract extension that will more than likely take me um, to the end of my career. Um, and it's because I love this kind of community. I mean, it's just an amazing balance of having the big city stuff with that, that um, just more uh, smaller feel to people wanting to get together to get things done. And well, I that's what's made San Antonio and Indy the two final four fan favorite host cities in the country. As, as we sort of head to uh, the end of this conversation, and we're going to want to revisit you, right, Jake, when this is over, to kind of talk about it, get the report card, right? Yep. But if you, if you could share your thoughts on what you hope to have happen and, you know, what you're really focusing in on in terms of the message that you want to send to uh, the people that are coming in, the players, their support team, and then the rest of the people around the country that are going to be watching this? I think our focus is, is obviously different than in normal Final Four years. We are so focused on the games, executing all of the games all the way through safely, successfully, and making sure our student-athletes who are in just a very difficult and different situation traveling to, to one region. And, and if you make it all the way to the final four, you're going to be in San Antonio three and a half weeks and pretty much confined to your hotel room and practice and the, the playing facilities. And so our focus is what can we do to give them a San Antonio experience, bring some culture into their hotel rooms, keep them entertained while they're staying within that controlled environment. Whereas normally, you know, the NCAA focuses on the, the student athletes and the games. And we focus on the fan events and what happens outside of the Alamo Dome. So that's really what we are drilling down on with the, the families of the student athletes that are coming for early round games. And then as we open up to the public um, with limited attendance for regionals and final four, you know, we, we want to send the message that San Antonio is, is a great destination to come to. It's a safe place to be. Still enjoy the destination while they're here. Um, it's going to be a great event. It's going to be different, but um, we, we know it's going to be great. San Antonio can pull it off. And I look forward to recapping with Indy when this is all over with and, uh, and celebrating. Yeah. And, and hey, Steve, make sure that I get an autographed picture of Russ Bookbinder when it's all over, who will say, I did all that. I'm good. Yeah, I know he will. <laughs> yeah. Jenny knows Russ very well. You, you bet. <laughs> well, well, I, I was just gonna say, I think for us in Indianapolis, you know, this is um, the NCAA being headquartered in Indianapolis is a key factor, right? So we obviously always want to take care of our hometown customer. 
Uh, it was interesting that we were already the host for Final Four. The NCAA is headquartered here. And there are similarities and some differences between San Antonio and India. I mean, San Antonio's got that incredible river walk and, and it's more than likely, I say more than likely, I can't guarantee it given the vortices we've been experiencing lately, but gonna have better weather than we're gonna have. Um, but we have, um, we have kind of a natural bubble environment in downtown Indianapolis. Randy's been here for a number of things in the past and we've got 12 hotels connected by Skywalk to the convention center. The convention center is connected by uh, an internal tunnel to Lucas Oil Stadium where a bunch of the games will be, including the final four games. Bankers Life Fieldhouse is three blocks away. I mean, it's a campus that's been built over the last 50 years to host bubble-like events that never had to really be a bubble until now. Um, and so it's already this, this campus-like setting. So our goals is ultimately, um, there'll be some teams, uh, to Jenny's point, um, that will be here longer even than three weeks because the Big Ten men's basketball tournament I just moved from Chicago to Indy because of the Illinois uh, rules about uh, you know how, how to handle their sporting events. So you're going to have some teams here. If a Big Ten team goes to the Final Four, they're going to be here for four weeks. Um, wow. Tournament, they're going to stay here. They're going to go into quarantine. They're going to play their first and second round games. And if a team gets all the way to the Final Four, it's a full month in Indy. And those, those student-athletes and the team officials who are in the Tier 1 controlled environment aren't going to get to experience necessarily – the river walk in San Antonio or the, or the, uh, or, or the canal uh, walk and, and trail in Indianapolis, they're going to be on shuttles. They're going to be in the convention center on practice courts and in virtual classrooms and maybe doing some video gaming. They're going to be in their hotel room. They're going to get food deliveries. They're going to get catering within the hotel. I mean, it's pretty tied down uh, for that group of folks. And there's going to be a whole bunch of other people having fun in San Antonio and in Indy. Um, yeah, but it's going to be the home of Hoosiers, right? The most wonderful, fantastic view of basketball and movies in history. And, you know, it takes life in the front office to hear somebody say vortices, right? It <laughs> takes intelligent people. You can't hear that on other podcasts, but we have it. So thank you, Leonard. <laughs> And all the teams make it all the way through the finals in in both of our cities. Um, That will be job number one. You know, we want to see, we don't want to see any teams have to bow out because there's a case that's spread. Um, And, uh, and then, you know, I think we're going to both do a great job of of having a great fan experience Uh, because that's, they'll get to live outside of the skywalks and the hotels. And so uh, we're determined to have them have a great experience. Andy, I think I think we sign off with with having Steve Leonard and Jenny try and describe in one word what will be uh, the the process of making this all come to fruition. One word. Team. Team. Well, I already used vortices. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you you're not beating that. Well, I'm just going to go complex. I mean, uh, for the 25 years I've been uh, doing this stuff in uh, 27 years now, I think about it, in four cities, there's never been this complex of an event ever. Could not agree more. <laughs> well, you know, the co- it, it, I always use this uh, quote when they ask uh, Michelangelo, hey, uh, Mike, how did you do that statue with David? And he goes, oh, David was inside the statue. I just chipped away all the pieces that weren't David. And that's what you guys are doing, right? And you'll do a fantastic job. We'll be looking. We appreciate it. And uh, be safe and sane in the new different. Thank you very much.